is the WTF Bach Podcast. The podcast about Johann Sebastian Bach, brought to you by his prodigal son, WTF Bach. Join WTF Bach as he guides your mind through a contrapuntal journey. Why don't you let WTF Bach guide you? And now, here's WTF Bach. Hey, it's Evan Schinners here. What is the longest piece of Bach? That's what one of my Instagram followers asked me. It seems like a simple question. We might answer it in a clever way, saying that any of the perpetual canons, any of the never-ending pieces of music that Bach wrote is easily the longest piece, since it never ends. Of course, that's not a satisfactory answer at all, though it is fun to think about that maybe at several points in Bach's life he conceived unending music, and maybe somewhere in some museum, probably deep in Europe, one of the perpetual canons is playing in an infinite loop until the world ends. But digging deeper into this question, what is Bach's longest piece? As one does in trying to answer any question in a world so deep as Bach, we realize that a straightforward answer is rather difficult. Because longest how? In terms of minutes? In terms of number of measures? I mean, what even is a piece? If we decide on the definition of a piece, then maybe we can get somewhere. Maybe we can say that a single BWV number, that is, a single number in the Bach Werke Verzeichnis catalog, that's the system used to catalog Bach's works, if we say that one of those numbers is a single piece, Immediately, it seems like there's a problem. BWV 248, this is the Christmas Oratorio, even though it is cataloged as a single work, the Christmas Oratorio is six separate cantatas. It's true, sometimes you see the entire Christmas Oratorio played today, performed at one single concert, but in Bach's day, this would have been performed on six separate days. So we have to sort of throw out the idea of a single BWV number being a single work. And we have to move on to the largest single BWV number that may have also been performed on a single day in Bach's time. Well, any passion music would have been performed in its entirety on Good Friday, and we have two surviving passions by Bach, the St. Matthew Passion and the St. John Passion. So which is longer? Why the St. Matthew Passion? BWV 244, it takes almost three hours to perform, and it indeed was conceived by Bach to be performed on a single day. It is longer by an hour than the St. John Passion. What about the Mass in B minor, you ask? Well, though its history is unique in that it was not written for a performance, Bach may have well envisioned one in the future, but even so, like the St. John Passion, it comes short of the St. Matthew Passion by almost an entire hour. Is there anything so long as the St. Matthew Passion? What about the large keyboard works, the entire Art of Fugue? What about the Well-Tempered Clavier? Well, let's agree that Bach did not conceive a book of the Well-Tempered Clavier to be a single piece. But just for argument's sake, if we were to say book two, the larger of the two books of the Well-Tempered Clavier by far, if we were to say that that book is a single unified work, it still takes the same amount of time to perform book two as the St. Matthew Passion. What about the Art of Fugue? Is the Art of Fugue a single piece? Yes, okay, but still, the Art of Fugue takes only 75 to 90 minutes to play. Same thing with the Goldberg Variations. So there you go. That seems to be it. No matter how you look at it in terms of minutes, the longest work is his St. Matthew Passion. Are you satisfied? No, neither am I, because what we really want to know is the largest stretch of music he ever wrote. The St. Matthew Passion is, you know, in 68 parts. Is any section of the St. Matthew Passion as long as those immensely long organ fugues, say? What about the Chaconne? What about the Passacaglia? What about the last fugue from the Art of Fugue? What we want is the largest unbroken stream of 16th notes he ever wrote. Yeah, that's what we want. So 
How do we count that? Do we count that as minutes of unbroken music? Well, because if we count by minutes, we're dealing with tempo. So how do we handle this? Before we can proceed, I suppose we really have to say we can't count time as a factor. It's too vague. It's not absolute. The last fugue in the first book of the Well-Tempered Clavier is marked Largo, though it's only 76 measures long. It will take much longer to play this fugue than any other fugue in the Well-Tempered Clavier, despite it being shorter than most in terms of bars. And by the way, I'm going to say bars and measures a lot in this episode. They mean exactly the same thing. Measures means bars, means measures, means bars. And I'm going to try and reconcile tempo with the number of bars toward the end of this episode, but nothing will be truly conclusive in terms of time because it's too vague. So now we have to hit essentially on the longest piece of unbroken bar numbers, the largest single music in terms of measures that he ever wrote. The answer might surprise you as it surprised me. Are you ready for it? In terms of bar numbers, the longest piece that Bach ever wrote was the first movement of his fourth Brandenburg Concerto. Or, since the same music is arranged as his sixth keyboard concerto, how many bars? 427, the largest amount of bars that Bach ever wrote in his career. This is not the answer you're expecting, right? The fourth Brandenburg Concerto first movement? But since this is one of the only definite criterion we can use to explain length, It must be mentioned that there are only four pieces in Bach's entire body of work that have more than 400 bars. In fact, only some seven of them have more than 350. But now we have to ask the question, what is a bar? Or more precisely, are all bars equal? We have more questions still. Bach was certainly aware of how many measures he was writing. To some extent, he kept track of how many measures each piece was. So if you're stunned to hear that something like the quick-moving concerto movement, the Brandenburg Fourth, is the longest piece by far, know that it's because that bar length is only in 3-8 time, 3 eighth notes per bar. Those bars were flying by, one, two, three, one, two, three. Every time I say one, it's a new bar. So we have bar and another bar. So we can assume that bars flying by that quickly, of course there's gonna be over 400 bars. In fact, all of the pieces with more than 350 bars, except one, are in 3-8 time. So what's that one piece that isn't in 3-8 time that has more than 350 bars? Why, that's the C major fugue for violin, BWV 1005. It has 354 bars, and rather than three eighth notes to the bar, it has eight eighth notes. At least in terms of eighth notes, it makes this fugue dwarf any other composition with more than 350 bars. But should we count eight beats per bar in the violin fugue? Well, not really, because Bach marked that piece in cut time. Ah, So how unfair. Cut time means only two beats per bar. So what do we do now? Multiply 354 by two in order to get it? Well, now we're at C again, because we're checking beats. And now we have to ask, what is a beat? Now, that's a very deep question, and I don't know if we'll be able to get anywhere with this question, but let's try. In music... If you open up a piece of sheet music, the numbers on the top left of the page that begin every single piece, those numbers are called the time signature. They measure the amount of notes that fill out one measure of music. If you see a C on your sheet music, it means the music is in four. But if, for example, Bach writes a piece with a time signature of 12, 16, top number 12, bottom number 16, does that mean that one really feels 12 beats per measure? Well, here we could say, no, not really. So why would Bach write a piece in 12 if we don't feel all 12 of those beats? Well, something like 12 is a convenient way of counting four beats of triplets. That's four times three, do you see? We feel four beats, something that's measured in 12. And what about three, eight? What about three, eight time, where several of those pieces have more than 350 bars? Do we feel three individual beats there? The question of a beat becomes a bit harder to define, 
Because now if we see that something is in a quick three, such as the Brandenburg concerto I mentioned, we feel something in three, but we really feel a unit of one, which has a smaller subdivision of three. We count one, two, three, one, two, three, one. It's not the slow, staid beats of the Sarabande. One, two, three. It's so quick that maybe we can claim that something in three, eight, only has one beat per measure. In fact, if we look at all the time signatures Bach uses, we might get somewhere with regard to tempo and therefore might get somewhere in finding out what we could call the longest. So let's look at all of the lower numbers in the time signatures. It's either a one in very rare cases, or a two, or a four, or an eight, or a 16. I don't think he has any pieces with 32 in the bottom. That would really surprise me, but maybe one of my listeners can, can tell me. I would be interested in that. In any case, it seems like the pieces with the eighth note or the 16th note as the bottom number, those are quicker notes, right? So we don't stay on the beats long enough to feel the pulse, the oomph that might make us count a beat. So now if we go back to our list of longest compositions by bar numbers and we rule out all the movements that have excessive bar numbers in 3-8, then all of a sudden we have a completely new list. And suddenly the organ repertoire comes into play. Aha! The Passacaglia and Fugue is in three quarter notes. That has 292 bars. The Chaconne for solo violin, ah, indeed a very long piece. That has 257 bars, and it's in 3-4. In fact, the two fugues on both sides of the Chaconne in the sixth solo for solo violin the A minor fugue is 289 bars in 2-4. The C major fugue, again, already mentioned, is the one that has 354 bars in cut time. And suddenly, the elephant in the Bach catalog makes an appearance. The final fugue in the Art of Fugue, the unfinished fugue, is 239 bars. And it's missing still some 30 bars. So let's count that one at 269 bars. Stay with me here. If we can agree that the pieces in cut time, since they indeed move swiftly. In fact, one of the reasons for writing in cut time is so you don't have to drag as much ink across the page. Think about it, ink is expensive, so if you just want your piece to go twice as fast, instead of adding extra bar lines in order to make 16th notes and 32nd notes, you simply write cut time and boom, your tempo is doubled. So let's agree, pieces in cut time have two beats, and pieces like the Chaconne and the Pascalia which are in 3-4, have three beats. I think we can imagine the comparative tempi here. Something like the Chaconne, which is one, two, three, one, two, three. And then the C major few, one, two, one, two. Those are about the same tempo. Well, then we can multiply the pieces in cut time by two, and the pieces in 3-4 by three, and the pieces in 4-4 by four. So now, the two longest organ fugues have 222 bars and 231 bars, and they are both in cut time, so we multiply those numbers by 2, and we get 462 and 444 beats, over 400 beats, okay? The A minor violin fugue, long, but not as long as the C major fugue, has 578 beats. The C major fugue, in cut time, if I'm going to multiply the number 354 by 2, we reach 708 beats, which indeed makes the Chaconne longer because the Chaconne in three at 257 bars 
comes out to 771 beats, which I think makes sense. I know that 354 bars is certainly a lot more bars than 257, but I don't really think that violinists or anyone else who knows these pieces very well would consider the C major fugue a longer work. But when you do count the beats like I did, it's 708 versus 771, and I think that's a pretty accurate feeling. I feel that the C major fugue is almost as long as the chaconne. What next then? What is greater? Well, the Passacaglian fugue. Coming in short of 300 measures, in 3-4, we almost get 900 beats. In fact, we get 876 beats. That could almost be the longest piece by Bach. But what about the unfinished fugue from the Art of Fugue, the quadruple fugue? Well, this will hopefully stimulate your imaginations because it is a bit problematic. In the manuscript, the handwritten copy, that is the handwritten copy and not the original printing, Bach has the final fugue in cut time. But in the original edition, it's not in cut time. So do we multiply the number of bars by two or by four? We know that Bach himself was responsible for many of the changes from the manuscript to the print, and specifically these types of changes, doubling the meter for many of these fugues. So was this fugue meant to be in two or in four? I know this is beginning to sound Insane, but if we are going to count this fugue in four and not in cut time, it gives us a total of over 1,000 beats, some 1,076 beats, if indeed this fugue has only a minimum of 30 missing bars. And even without the missing bars, it's coming in at 956 beats. Okay, now that could be the longest piece by Bach, but if it's in cut time, it's of course half the length, and hence not the longest piece in terms of beats. But hey, that seems to be a pretty good order to me. I know it took us a while to get there, and we had to make some concessions that maybe not all of you are on board with, but when we look at the results, we have maybe the unfinished quadruple fugue as the longest piece that Bach ever wrote. And after all, that seems to be somewhat just. The master of fugue, writing the only quadruple fugue he ever wrote, it seems appropriate that that could represent his longest work, followed by his longest organ work he ever wrote, the Pascalian fugue, and the Hefty Chaconne. And these two genres are inextricably linked, by the way. And how nice is that that they stand next to each other as two titans in their own genres, the Pascalia and the Chaconne, on two completely different instruments. Now, I mentioned that I would try and reconcile length and bars and try and come to a sensible conclusion. But indeed, that's about the same conclusion. Because if we're going to measure minutes, the Pascalian Fugue and the Chaconne are really the longest movements in the repertoire. One plays the Chaconne these days in about 13, 14 minutes. And the same goes for the Pascalian Fugue. The Unfinished Fugue can also clock up there around 12, 13 minutes if you really take it in four. But if you conceive it and cut time and play it sort of swiftly, it's not nearly as long, maybe under 10 minutes. And what's the shortest piece, you ask? Well, that one's fairly easy. The third Brandenburg Concerto has a middle movement that is only one bar long. And it has only two chords in it, an A minor chord in first inversion, and then a B major chord. It's marked adagio, and it implies a certain improvisation. We'll listen to a couple versions here to see how people improvise. So you heard the harpsichordist there improvising from G major 
into the two chords that you just heard at the end. That was Claudio Abado and the Orchestra Mozart. And that's more or less the trend these days is to improvise into these two chords. But here, this is actually a modern recording. You will only hear these two chords played as this middle movement. This is the Voices of Music, though I don't know. I'm not familiar with this ensemble, so forgive me if you are called more than the Voices of Music. Excellent recording. And that's it. And then begins the third movement. That is very easily the shortest composition that Bach ever wrote, or the shortest movement that he ever wrote. My favorite rendition of this middle movement of the third Brandenburg Concerto? Wendy Carlos. You absolutely need to listen to Switched on Bach. Go find Switched on Bach and listen to the absolutely brilliant way that Wendy Carlos spills out these two chords with what imagination she uses these two chords to spurn an entire movement that is almost, on the record, three minutes long. And now I'm going to leave you, not with the Chaconne, not with the Pascal and Fugue, but what was the originally longest piece by Bach in terms of bar numbers, 427 bars. This is the first movement of the fourth Brandenburg Concerto, but it won't be the version of the Brandenburg Concerto that I assume you all know. This is the sixth keyboard concerto. When Bach assembled a set of six harpsichord concertos, this sixth concerto is an arrangement of the fourth Brandenburg Concerto, which in the Brandenburg Concerto collection is scored for two solo flutes, or flauta dolces, that is recorders, two recorders and a solo violin in G major. But here Bach has transposed the concerto to F major and taken the concertante violin, that is the solo violin, and given it a harpsichord part. This is Trevor Pinnock. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening.
Bach at WTFBach.com.